It's on page 654 in these blue Bibles. Tonight, we're going to continue on in the book of Colossians as we go, and, and it's on kind of an interesting topic. <laughs> we're going to be talking about a couple of different things, but if you've read this passage or you're familiar with it, or as we read it in a moment, you'll see it, it's about pride. It's about false humility, and it's about division in the church. Uh, some kind of difficult topics to talk about casually. Uh, but, but I wanted to say this, and I, and I really do this, um, I just need to get, say something out loud. I, I've been in this practice recently of when uh, something's distracting me or something's bothering me, I'll say it out loud so that it seems, so once I acknowledge it and say it out loud, it's sort of, I realize how, how silly it might be, and then I kind of am able to move on from it. Uh, I don't know if anyone else does this. Uh, but I was, we were praying downstairs before we started tonight, and, and I told the worship team, I said, yeah, I'm just distracted today. I got a lot going on. You know, it's a long day on Sundays for me. And on top of that, I got an email today uh, asking for, you know, when it, whenever you get an email from, at least for those of us who aren't great at German and are trying to integrate into Swiss culture, you get an email from the Gemeinde or from the Canton asking for more papers for your work permit, and you just kind of get stressed out. And, and I'm distracted, and I'm sitting there listening to worship. And I'm trying to focus, you know, and, you know I, I have to get up and speak, and I have to get up and share, and what do I do, and how do I say it, and what, what do you want me to do? And, and I immediately had this feeling of, gosh, I feel so insignificant. I just feel really small right now. You know, I got this, this image of yesterday, I'm walking through the little um, flea market they have at Berkeley Plots on Saturday mornings, and I see this old book you know, from mid, middle of the 19th century, 150, 170-year-old book, and I see it, and I just think... And I had this, gosh, that book was here way before I was here, and it's going to be here probably way after I leave. And I feel so small. But then God just kind of encouraged me, and I look down and I see some of these flowers. I don't know if you've noticed, in May we get, in in English we call them peonies. uh, And they're beautiful, and they're wonderful, and they're one of my favorite things uh, in, in, in the whole flora world. And then I realized that those flowers fight and struggle through the spring and through the snow and through bad weather just to bloom for one month a year. And they're not small and insignificant. And for whatever reason, whether it's just me wanting to share it with you or maybe you feel this way sometimes too, let me encourage you. We're going to read in Colossians tonight. We're going to talk about unity in the church. We're going to talk about what God is doing on this planet. And let me just encourage you, before we even get into what I had planned to say, that if you ever feel this way, you are not insignificant. That God has a plan, that God has a mission, and that God has ordained that for you. In the same way God cares for these flowers to just pop up and bloom one month a year, he has a plan for you for the duration of your time on earth. Do not forget that. And tonight, as we talk about pride and, and, and sin and unity in the body, I would encourage you that even if you feel convicted, do not feel small. Because you are not small to God. That being said, please read with me in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. Paul says to the Colossian church, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any virtue in restraining sensual indulgence. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're just going to get into it. Verse 16, Paul starts, and he says, Therefore, and if you've never heard this little anecdote, I don't know if I've ever said it, but whenever we see that, it's there for a reason, right? And what Paul is doing is connecting the argument that we talked about last week, previously in the chapter. And if you don't remember, you weren't here, he was talking about being full in Christ, living to the fullness of God and the fullness that God has for you in this life. And so he says, therefore, Colossian church, therefore, do not let anyone judge you. If, if the Jews come around, and this is to the Gentiles, he says, if the Jews come around talking about that they, they don't eat certain foods or that you must obey certain festivals or that, oh, well, heaven forbid you would go skiing on the Sabbath day. Don't let those people judge you. He says, those, those, those rules were from the Old Testament. Those rules were actually made by men. And he's further shedding light and illuminating the discrepancies between the Jewish world and the Gentile world in the first century. So a, a, a bit of history, if you haven't read the book of Acts recently, the Apostle Paul would go through preaching and teaching in different towns, and the first thing he would do is he would go to the Jewish synagogue because they would invite him. He had been trained as a Pharisee, and he would preach in the synagogues. And generally the Jews didn't really like him, and they threw him out, and then he would go and preach to the Gentiles. But inevitably, in these towns, in the ancient world, you would have a new church starting, a new group of believers in Jesus Christ who were half and half. Some of the Jews would hear it and think, wow, this is a good teaching. And then the Gentiles would hear it, and they would believe as well. And for the first time, these people would be worshiping together. And what was happening is that simply the Jews were saying, we're better than them. Look at all of these rules we follow. Look at the Sabbath rules. Look at the festivals. Look at the the eating rules. You know, me personally, I would probably choose to be a Gentile in this situation because the Jews didn't eat pork. You know, they didn't eat bacon. It's a deal breaker for me. And and this is nothing new. In In the first century, this was a common fight. Read the book of Acts sometime, especially chapters 15, 16, 17. You see a lot of it in there. And the Jews wanted Gentiles to have the same requirements. They said, listen, if you're going to do this stuff, you have to do all the things we do. And if you don't, we are better than you. We just, you know, at least we do this. And we actually, you know, we'll talk about this more, but we all do this, right? Well, at least I'm not like those people. And I want to give one quick, you know, kind of caveat to this. is Paul is not saying we can do whatever we want. When he says, do not tuss, don't let anyone judge you, that doesn't just mean you can do whatever you want. What Paul is really saying is he says, listen, as long as you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, don't let those who have different customs and different religious practices hold you down or say they are better. Because 
as we've talked about and as this whole book of Colossians points to, we are all under the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. Don't forget what Jesus said in the end of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 28. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we remember that we're supposed to go to all nations. But Jesus said first, he says, don't forget that all authority has been given to me. And he goes on in verse 17 to say, see these religious customs, these things, these, these things that people hold over other people, they're not God, they're just a, a shadow They're an image of God, and they help us see God sometimes, but it's not God. You know, anyone who's into philosophy may be familiar with Plato's allegory of the cave, right? The people who saw the shadows, and they thought that was real life, and then they realize it's not. They're shadows. See, the Old Testament, while good and while helping people experience God, and the Old Testament laws and rules, they were simply a shadow of Christ. They helped people see and understand God, but they were not Christ. And in verse 18, Paul goes into some of the specific issues for the Colossian church. And these are the same things that they were studying, or they were facing throughout the ancient world. We talked about this in the fall, in the the letter to Timothy a little bit. But he says, listen, you're dealing with the same problems, and one of them was angel worship. All right? It's a little weird. (laughs) Um, Why were people worshiping angels? Uh... There's a couple of ideas, but the main one scholars sort of think and land on, just so you know, is this. Is that people, because people held God in such high esteem, and that Christ all of a sudden created this bridge to where we can have a personal relationship with God, it made some people, especially Jews, uncomfortable. And so what they would do, actually, is instead of worshiping God, they would just talk about worshiping angels or things created in the heavenly realm, but not actually God. And in doing so, would have sort of a false humility and say, well, I'm so holy, I'm not even worthy of worshiping God, so I'm just going to worship the angels and and the beings close to God. Which at first thought says, well, it's not so bad, right? I mean, the person's... But then you think, wait a minute. These people are worshiping the creation, not the creator. And these people are using this false humility to hold it up over other people and say, how dare you pray to God? You're not worthy to pray to God. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough to pray to your God. You should only worship the angels. You should only worship the creation. You should worship something lower until you get your stuff together. People in the church were boasting that they were closer to God because of this false humility. And Paul says that such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, but their unspiritual mind puffs him or her up with idle notions. What, it was, what he's saying is these people aren't really worshiping God. These people aren't seeking a relationship with God. They're just simply trying to make themselves feel better. And Paul says, listen, it's only about Christ. The key, the important thing we must remember is that Christ is the head and that it's all about him. And in verse 19, he gives us a great descriptor of this. He says, people who do this are people who detach themselves from the body. They've detached themselves from the head. You know, I can't help but think about, you know, and it's a little graphic, but, you know, they say that, you know, a chicken, you know, you can chop its head off, it'll run around for a little while. This is what I think of whenever I see this image. It says people have detached themselves from the head of Christ, and they're running around trying to figure out life, and it's just not sustainable. Paul says, listen, remember the reality is Christ 
Not the things of this world, not the festivals, not the the practices, not the, the church you attend. The reality is Christ. And, and so here today, we don't have people worshiping angels. I mean, maybe some people do. I've never heard of it. But we certainly have false humility, don't we? We in the church certainly struggle with false humility. We have people, Christians and people from other religions, who, who, who boast about their accomplishments and what they have seen. Some may even boast, and you may have met some of these types of people, who boast in spiritual gifts. And say, I am so holy because of this that God has given me. You see, it's, it's a big problem in the United States, but you see these preachers on TV talking about, the Lord has given me all of these great gifts, and so here I am giving them to you. And, and they lift themselves up on a podium or a platform. Paul says, no, we shouldn't boast in these things. Even gifts, even things that are good from God, we should not boast. We should only boast in Jesus Christ. Some might boast and say, well, they're, they're, quick to, they're quick to mention that. Well, I wake up first thing and read the Bible for an hour and a half every morning. Some might say, well, look at all of these different Bible studies and ministries I'm involved with. These are all good things. These are things God desires of us. But when they are used by us to puff ourselves up, to hold ourselves up over other people and say, I read my Bible for an hour a day. At least I'm not like that person who never seems to read their Bible. I know all the answers. I've been to this, and I know this, and oh yeah, of course, Paul was talking about These are all good things. But Paul says, unless it's connected to the head of the body, if unless it's connected to Christ, then who cares? He says in verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All of these things the Jews are worried about are not making them any closer to God. They're doing it to feel better about themselves. And in verse 23 is what I want you to remember, is he says that this just has the appearance of wisdom. This self-imposed worship, this false humility, the harsh treatment of the body, the English word for that is asceticism. Um, People who, 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 whether they detach from society, whether they deprive themselves of certain things for spiritual reasons, when we do it to make ourselves feel better, it does nothing. Paul says it does absolutely nothing to lead us away from sensual indulgences. The whole goal, what we're trying to stop doing is sin, right? And, and, and so we, we do all these self-imposed things, but if we do it from a place of pride, if we do it from a place to lift ourselves up above other people, Paul says it does nothing to stop the sin. And these can be important rules and guidelines, but, but listen to me, we, we don't worship rules and guidelines, <laughs> We worship a living God who desires a personal relationship with us. We worship a God who loves us and who hates sin and wants us to be unified under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, if you look at our reading from Psalm 39 from the Old Testament, I chose that because it's about a man who said that, if you, verse 1 and 2, he says, listen, I'm, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to muzzle myself. I'm going to stop talking so that I don't do anything wrong, (laughs) right? It's like the Desert Fathers, all these guys who went and lived out in the desert in the first couple of centuries. They they excluded themselves from society saying, I won't sin. I'll take away all the temptation. And this man in Psalm 39 separates himself. He puts a muzzle on himself and he says, I was so afraid to speak that nothing good came out. I isolated myself so much that there there wasn't bad, but there wasn't anything good. 
And what made it even worse is he said his anguish increased when he stopped talking, when he tried to separate himself by self-imposed religious rules. His anguish increased. You know, we as Christians, this is something we do. When we're scared, or when we're sinning, or when we're stuck in some sort of bad habitual cycle, Christians generally do one of two things. They either pull away and they try to hide. I don't want anyone to see me. Like the man in Psalm 39. Or, or they do the opposite, like the people here in the book of Colossians, and they puff themselves up so that no one will think anything is ever wrong. They pretend they have it all together, and they pretend that they are doing all the right things. But really, it's the same person. It's a person who is filled with pride and who is detaching themselves from Christ. You know, I can't help but think about Adam and Eve. When the first sin happened, immediately what they did was they detached themselves from God and tried to hide. And the image God gives us is so beautiful because God doesn't wait for Adam and Eve to come back to him. He goes looking for them. Adam and Eve were hiding and they were trying to separate themselves from God in their sin and in their pride. And God said, no, I'm going to go and look for you. I'm going to go and seek you out. I'm going to go and reconcile us again. And next week, as you'll see, chapter 3 is so beautiful. It talks about putting on the new self. It talks about how we grow and become stronger when we are attached to Christ. But for tonight, I just want to focus on this idea of pride. When we lift ourselves up, when we build ourselves up with what we do rather than what God is doing in us, it is pride. And pride lacks all value in restraining indulgences. I mean, Paul says it so clearly. This is not how you stop sinning. Okay, this is not it. It's helpful, but unless you stay connected to Jesus Christ, you cannot stop. It's not about looking good. It's not about lifting yourself up so that others think you have it together. Because this is what Christians do. We get some praise and we get some adoration from people and we become addicted to it. We become addicted to people thinking we have it all together. This is why, as I'm sitting here praying, I wanted to share with you that I was distracted because I do not want you to think that just because I'm preaching, I have everything together. Because I don't. There are moments when I sit here, even as a pastor, and I wonder and I think, God, I need you. I need you. God does not want us to be puffed up and prideful, and he doesn't want us to be weak and ineffective and scared to speak. He just wants our honesty. He wants us to be honest and to stay connected with him. He wants us to create unity in the church with renewal of the heart and to not separate ourselves by lifting ourselves up in a prideful way. And it's nothing new. Jesus taught the same thing. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus tells us how to pray, he says, don't pray like the, the, the hypocrites and the Pharisees who stand up on the street corner for all to hear. Go into a closet. Go into a private space with your God and just be honest. Just pour your heart out to your God. This is what he wants of us. You know, last week we also read from the Proverbs, which... Um, sometimes the Proverbs are good, and sometimes they're very convicting, um, which is why I read them sometimes. And, and I thought of this, and it's something my mom showed me very, very uh, early on. I've, I've always been sort of a prideful person, to be completely honest. And 
This is a verse I've always remembered. And it scares me, but in a good way. It says, this is Proverbs chapter 8. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. You know, the Lord doesn't use the word hate very often. (laughs) And yet in Proverbs, he says, listen, I hate pride and arrogance. I hate it. See, pride is not just something that we sometimes struggle with. It's a sin. It is a sin with a capital S that, that, that lurks for all of us. The Lord hates it when we pretend to have it all together. If you look at the Gospels of Jesus Christ and how he interacted with people, when people came to him honestly and humbly, Jesus was gracious, Jesus was loving, Jesus was welcoming. When people came to him pridefully, like the rich young ruler, and said, I've done all these wonderful things since my birth. Jesus said, okay, sell everything you have. And the guy walks away sad. But when Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector, comes to him honestly, Jesus doesn't tell him to sell anything. He says, you're good, man. I love you. And then Zacchaeus goes and lives out his faith and decides to give everything he cheated back on his own accord. See the difference? God does not like pride. God likes honesty. And what's more that we must remember is pride is not just about us. Pride is not just about our heart. It separates the church. Paul says in verse 19, these people divide the church. They separate themselves from the body, from the head. God hates pride and God hates when we fight. You know, I want to remind you of this and I shared this with the youth group and, and, you know, this year is the 500 year of the start of the Protestant Reformation. And all over Europe, they're having these great celebrations for it. And, and you can go into Zurich, and you can go into Geneva, and, and Wittenberg, and Stuttgart, and, and, and Munich, and all these different cities all have sort of displays they're putting on about the Reformation and different roles they had. And to be, to be sure, the, Revelation, or the, the Reformation was very good. Put the, put the Bible in common language, made freedom from corruption, and, and, and for poorer people to have a relationship with God who couldn't afford education. I mean, there was a lot of good that came from it. But I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, man, it must have also broke God's heart, though, to see his church divided, to see his church fighting. I mean, not just arguing, but physically fighting and killing each other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me encourage you. We we don't have angel worship, okay? (laughs) But we have plenty of other things to worry about. We have plenty of boasting. We have plenty of pride that sneaks in so easily to our lives and into our hearts. You know, even reading our Bibles and even prayer and even the good things God has given us can become idols and can become sin. So let me encourage you tonight. Focus on the God behind all the good things. Focus on the God that gives us those gifts of Scripture and of prayer and of worship. Don't focus on the creation. Focus on the Creator. Be honest with your struggle. I struggle. We all struggle. We have pride. We think our ideas are the best ideas. For the sake of the body of Christ, his bride, let us come together and bow before the cross of Christ. You know, this Thursday, we all get work off for Ascension Day, and it's great. I'm going to ride, the bike, I'm going to ride my bike around the lake with a bunch of people from church, and it's going to be so much fun. We get that day off because our Lord Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of God. <laughs> 
Switzerland's kind of a funny place sometimes, how it celebrates all these church holidays, but this is a cool one. We get the day off to think and to meditate on the fact that this God who came as a man, who died for us, for a personal relationship with us, is now seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realm and has all authority over all of us. Man, that is worth celebrating. (laughs) That is worth taking a day off of work. And that is worth being honest with him because that's what he desires. No matter what your sin, no matter what your pride, no matter what your issue, remember, Adam and Eve ruined it for all of humanity. (laughs) And yet God still went to them and said, what are you guys doing? Come back to me. No matter what you do, you're not going to ruin it for all of humanity. And God is waiting for you. He is standing there coming to you saying, just be honest. Don't be puffed up and pretend you don't have stuff in your life. And don't be so timid and so afraid that you don't even speak because then nothing good will come out. Be honest. Be open. Because we have a Redeemer. We have a God who lives and speaks through us and we no longer have need for our pride. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ and for his ascension that we celebrate this Thursday. Lord, that he is sitting at your right hand as Lord of heaven and earth. And that because of him, you see us as righteous. Lord, let us be open and honest with you, the God of the universe. Lord, we do not worship the creation. We worship you, the power and ruler of us all. And as we come to you as children, Lord, you love us like the perfect father you are. Be gentle with us. Be gracious with us. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, remind us that we are not small and we are not insignificant, Lord, but that we are loved by the God of the universe. And that is worthy of praise. Thank you, Lord. In the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen.